Howdy friends and welcome back to the Bloody Bizarre podcast. My name's Emma. And I'm Sarah. Welcome back. Um, hope you enjoyed last week's, what was last week's? Oh, it'll be your... Deal of pass. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I hope that we've got some engagement and that people are telling us what they think. Actually, yes. There's been two people who've gotten into... Actually, three. So two people... Hasn't even dropped yet. Oh, no, no. Not about that episode. Oh. Just about the podcast in general. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. So you've moved on from last week's episode now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, transitioned yeah. into a new topic. Yeah. Okay, go well, for it. So we had a listener who was like, I've caught up with all the episodes now. That's sweet. Um, and was like, you have to let me know if you're going to go on holiday because <laughs> I like listening. <laughs> oh, Which is really nice. Yeah, that's cute. And I said, we'll be taking a break at the end of the year, but not before yeah. then. Yeah. Oh, for anyone else who's wondering, yeah, we'll be taking a break at the end of the year. Well, I was thinking we should save the break for Feb because I'm away in Feb. And I'm having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Both equally as important. <laughs> um. Yeah, can do. Anyway, well, this what is... we could do is over the break bank episodes, yeah, and then post them in Feb. Oh yeah, let's do that instead. Yeah. Okay. Um, again, this is another kind of logistical conversation we could Doesn't need could have to taken happen. offline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this could be a text. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, two listeners DM'd me with suggestions for um, things that we can cover and they sound really interesting. Cool. So, Keep them um, coming guys. Yeah. So I'll probably have to do them next year. Cause I think that we're all like, we've got the all banked the schedule for pretty. Yeah. Unless we decide to do a last minute pivot, which, which seems you to be the do every week. topic. To, yeah. <laughs> the, um, it's, it's my bread and butter. I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well then if that's the case, I'm going to get started, I guess. Mm-hmm. Now, Here's the thing. I've got two that I could possibly do. I'm just going to do the one that I told you about. I don't care. I could Tell pr- me a crazy story. The, th- I, the thing is, I, I think I could probably do a little bit more research on it, but I don't, I don't know if I'm going to. Well, gonna... tell me the other one then. Okay, hang on. <laughs> if there's one thing we're known for, it's our quality and how thorough our research is. Oh my god! So I'd done a, I'd finished a whole story, but it hadn't loaded on my Google Docs, and it was, mm. it was just halfway through, and I was like, okay, but where the fuck is everything else that I wrote today? I'm telling you the story of the first woman in Australia to be sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Yes, you, d- you. I remember you telling me that you were going to do this one. Oh, this one's yucky. This one is yucky. She's still alive today and she's serving their sentence in Silverwater Women's Correctional Centre in New South Wales. Hey, I was just in New South Wales this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Go see her. Yeah. Today, I'm telling you about Catherine Knight. Catherine Mary Knight, to be specific. So my sources are Wikipedia, um, the red-handed episode, uh, episode 31, and an article on news.com by Jasmine Kaslaskis. Short because, I mean, red-handed would have had a whole bunch of references too that I have not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, what Red Handed would call a no eating episode. It is absolutely. And that was my next point. This story is really gory. I was actually put off my food for a little while mm-hmm. while I was doing this one. Yeah. Um, and I would also mention um, just a trigger warning that we I do talk about sexual assault at the beginning. So there's also, sorry, it's not, it's your story, but there's also mention of domestic violence, maybe. Yeah. Trigger warning to that too. A it's a bad bit, one. It's a bad one. Um, and I will be surprised if people are not 
haven't heard anything about this story. Mm. I think that most people that are into true crime, crime would have heard something about this woman. Yeah. Okay. So, Catherine Mary Knight was born on the 24th of October, 1955. Oh, also, I started researching this on the 24th of October, 2023. So, on her 68th birthday, I was researching this. Ooh. I know. Catherine was born and raised in an incredibly dysfunctional household and had some traumatic experiences from an early age. Her mother, Barbara Ruffin, had been married to Jack Ruffin and lived with him in the small town of Aberdeen in New South Wales's Hunter Valley. The pair had four sons. Aberdeen had a population of around 1,500 at the time, about three hours north of Sydney. It was an industrious town that was known for its abattoirs and its two pubs. Soon, All the abattoirs began to close um, and the socioeconomic status of the town began to fall. Barbara began an adulterous relationship with a man named Ken Knight, who was a friend and co-worker of her then-husband. The small community were outraged and essentially forced Barbara and Ken to move to a town called Moree. None of her sons went with her. The two eldest boys continued to reside with their father and the two younger sons were sent to be raised by an aunt who lived in Sydney. Barbara had four additional children with Ken, including twin girls born in 1955. Catherine was one of these twin daughters. Um, In 1959, when Knight was four, this is Catherine Knight was four, Jack Ruffin died and his two older sons who'd been living with him moved in with Barbara and Ken. Ken was a violent alcoholic who would rape Barbara up to 10 times per day. What? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Barbara, in turn, often told her daughters intimate details of her sex life and how much she hated sex and men. I don't think she, I mean, I don't want to dictate to her, but she hates rape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, far out. That would have, she would have been messed up. Like physically. Physically, mm. yeah. Um, later, when Catherine complained to her mother that one of her partners wanted her to take part in a sex act she did not want to perform, Barbara told her to, quote, put up with it and stop complaining. Catherine claims she was frequently sexually assaulted by several members of her family, though she makes the point to mention not by her father. This continued until she was around the age of 11. Yeah, well, her father didn't have time. He was too busy sexually assaulting his wife. Mm. Yeah. There are doubts about some of the details of Catherine's claims, but psychiatrists and police do accept her claims and the events have been largely confirmed by other family members. So I think it's just like some of the details are a bit foggy. Yeah. In high school... Catherine was remembered by classmates as a bully who would pick on on smaller children. She would apparently fly into into a rage if things didn't go exactly her way. It was said that when she wasn't enraged, Catherine was a model student who had even earned awards for good behaviour. I feel like that's like in when we were in school and there was like a kid who had behavioural problems and they'd, they'd spend like one day doing everything right and they'd get fully praised for it. And like, Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. I now as an adult I get it. Yeah. But at the time I remember being like this I'm doing fucking it, bullshit. I'm doing it every day. Why don't I get praised? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the kid who had been a complete shithead all week yeah. would have like one afternoon where they were behaving <laughs> and the teacher would be like, You get to do this and you get to do that yeah. and well done and I'd be like, What? Yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, as an adult I'm like, Well, yeah, that's that's what you do. I don't know. I still hate it. <laughs> The other day I was you're, thinking, you're still hanging on to that. Yeah. The other day I was thinking, is it immature of me not to have kids? No. Like I was thinking, cause I was at, I was at this event, the, the last, like, you know, whatever, yesterday, whatever. 
And um, these, I was with a group of these women and we were talking and they were talking about their kids and then they were like, all right, I've got to get home to the kids. And I was like, well, I'm going to go home and have a beer. And I was like, is that like, am I kind of like <laughs> irresponsible? Oh, definitely I am irresponsible, but like. No, I think, I think people who have kids when they shouldn't are immature. Yeah. Okay. It was just a feeling that hit me in my stomach. Um, I've been feeling really anxious lately. So, mm. and also I'm very tired. So it's like everything is yeah a bit high and you've been like in a different city and like yeah anyway upon leaving school at age 15 without having learned to read or write uh she gained employment as a cutter in a clothing factory 12 months later so she's 16 at this point she left to start what she referred to as her quote dream job cutting up offal at the local abattoir yeah that's a red flag right there yeah There, she was quickly promoted to boning and was given her own set of butcher's knives. Um, Apparently, Catherine was fascinated by knives. Now, another red flag. Hang on. Some people uh, like their knives, like, you know, utility knives and stuff. I get that. Some people are like knife enthusiasts and they like, you know, fancy Japanese knives and stuff. Yeah. I Um, like those survival. Like, I've got a few survival knives that I think are very fun. Yes. On its own. (laughs) fine <laughs> coupled with coupled, everything else yeah like yeah. if a normal like a normal-ish person is like oh yeah i got this sick knife and they're like showing me i'd be like yeah cool if a person who's a bit weird said that to me i'd be like um i've got to go here's something else that's a bit of a red flag the knives were hung over her bed so as knight said they would quote always be handy if she needed them i do keep a knife next to me yeah head. i do too <laughs> <laughs> i was just thinking the quote makes it less dodgy but yeah. they're like they were like displayed overhead the d- being displayed is yeah um like imagine, but then some people display swords and shit i, I think ryan bagara has like a um, yeah katana yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of Catherine knight's co-workers was a man named david kellett whom she met in 1973 kellett was a heavy drinker as a result of two traumatic events he'd experienced at his previous job as a railway worker and for which he was not getting professional help um the first he had witnessed his best friend be killed in front of him during a shunting accident uh and the second when he rescued injured occupants of a school bus which had been struck by a train and in that event uh six children were killed oh my god so he eventually lost that railway job due to deteriorating behavior and performance but he soon got work at the nearby aberdeen abattoir and became close friends with knight's brother kellett and knight began a relationship uh catherine knight not Mm. not the brother Mm -hmm. often when kellett would get into fights catherine would jump in and back him up physically in her town of aberdeen she was well known for physically threatening anyone who upset her she sounds scary she sounds scary rage-filled unpredictable somebody you would want to give a wide berth absolutely in 1974 kellett and knight got married they arrived at their ceremony on knight's motorbike with kellett on the pillion very drunk so he was already super drunk yeah he he was pissed when he arrived um catherine's mother barbara remember her yeah how could i forget mother of the year oh let's not i mean she had a horrible life but still you know uh well on her daughter's wedding day she pulled keller aside to give him some advice keller said the following quote the old girl meaning knight's mother said to me watch out you better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you stir up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked don't ever think of playing up on her she'll fucking kill you and that was their mother talking she told me she's got something loose she's got a screw loose somewhere so I guess foreshadowing. 
Also, Barbara, it's a little bit rude because I feel like partially responsible for... Her mum should have protected her. She's not, you know, like, blame... I hate it when people blame the mum The mum for everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah me too. But, but like, also, but honestly, some of those issues are probably your fault, Barbara, so... So their marriage was violent, uh, I guess predictably, uh, and Kellett was frequently the target of Knight's rage. So it was Catherine who was abusing Kellett. On one such occasion, a heavily pregnant Catherine burned all of Kellett's clothing and shoes before hitting him across the back of the head with a frying pan because he'd arrived home late from a darts competition after reaching the finals. Kellett managed to flee to a neighbor's house after this incident Mm -hmm. um, before collapsing with a severely fractured skull. Oh, my God. So she wasn't just violent. She was strong and and it kind of really meant harm as well. Yeah, yeah. Like she wasn't holding back. No. Yeah. After this incident, police wanted to charge Catherine, but she talked her husband into dropping the charges, as often occurs. Yeah. Uh, In May of 1976, Catherine gave birth to the pair's first child, Melissa Ann. Shortly after, Kellett left the relationship, unable to cope with the constant violent abuse. He met a new woman and moved uh, moved to Queensland with her, hoping to escape Catherine. Good on him. Uh, The very next day, Catherine was seen pushing her new baby in a pram down the main street, violently jerking the pram from side to side. How scary seeing that. Yeah, I know. She was admitted to St. Elmo's Hospital in Tamworth, where she was diagnosed with postnatal depression and spent a few weeks recovering. After being released, Catherine placed two-month-old Melissa. How would you, why would they give her back the baby straight away? I think generally, I mean, they're always trying to keep babies with their parents. The mum, yeah. Yeah, as much as possible, so... Like, I can't speak to what the circumstances were, but it's possible that maybe there was, like, a safety plan in place whereby baby could go home with mum, but maybe, like, this person had to check on them every day at this time. And, like, you know, there would be random unscheduled visits and maybe something like that. Well, regardless what was in place. And and maybe, like, the doctor had given her the all clear and said, yeah, she is totally fine. Bumpus mentis. Yeah, exactly. This baby needs to be with mum. Well, regardless of what was in place and what the doctor said, after being released, Knight placed two-month-old Melissa on a railway line shortly before the train was due. She then stole an axe, went into town and threatened to kill several people. Uh, An unhoused man, known in the district as Old Ted, who was foraging near the railway line, found and rescued Melissa by all accounts only minutes before the train passed. Whoa. Is that the correct terminology now? Unhoused man? Yeah. Or unhoused person yeah i've heard it i've heard people refer to as that rather than homeless, homeless yeah because yeah. homeless it sounds like that is their definer uh yeah i don't know I, i'm not sure of the proper the, the most respectful um term um, fucking hell so he saved her with yep. minutes to spare yep that's so scary Knight was arrested and again taken to st elmo's hospital but apparently she recovered and signed herself out the following day and I'm not 100% sure what happened to Melissa. I have to hope she was How is she not charged, though? Yeah, like, she was threatening people with an axe. She yeah. put her baby – she that's attempted like, to murder her baby. That's surely like attempted murder. But like, then if she's uh, – like, I guess her mental health would have to come into account into, – But then if they, if they said the next day that she was fine, then – But she like, did sign herself out. But then surely she would have been forcibly admitted. What was uh, this, the 70s? Yeah, 70s. I don't know. It was a wacky time. It was a wacky time. Not that we know, but – I've heard. I've heard it was a wacky time. (laughs) (laughs) It was a groovy time. A few days later, Catherine slashed the face of a woman with one of her knives and demanded she drive her to Queensland to find Kellett. 
The woman escaped after they stopped at a service station. However, by the time police arrived, Catherine had taken a young mechanic hostage uh, and was threatening him with the knife. She was disarmed when police attacked her with brooms. <laughs> what? <laughs> what on earth? I think they didn't. I think because she had the guy, they didn't want to shoot her or something. Or I'm not sure. But they, yeah, they went at her with brooms. Um, Maybe managed, because she was a woman. There was probably. A bit of like. Softly, softly approach. Yeah. yeah. Probably. But they managed to disarm her and the mechanic was not was not hurt. Remember when there was that guy in, was it in Melbourne, who was like threatening people with a knife and they they managed to subdue him with a milk crate? Oh, that was the, that, that guy actually murdered someone. I remember yeah. like a few members of the public kind of all joining up and then yeah they chased him down and and, and they had him. a milk crate yeah on him when police informed keller of the incident he left his girlfriend and moved to aberdeen with his mother to support knight so by all accounts keller's a really good guy oh, yeah. um knight was released on the 9th of august 1976 into the care of her mother-in-law and along with kellett um moved to ipswich a city west of brisbane where she obtained a job at the dinmore meatworks so back in a dream dream mm-hmm. role uh on the 6th of march 1980 they had another daughter natasha marie in 1984 knight left kellett with did that baby get to stay with her the fir- melissa the first one no the second one yeah, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but Knight ended up leaving Kellett despite him moving back in with her. Well, lucky for and, him. Yeah, I mean, a lucky escape, we'll mm-hmm. go on to see. So, yeah, so um, Catherine first moved to her parents' house in Aberdeen, then to a rented house in nearby Muswell Brook. She returned to work at the abattoir, but injured her back the following year and went on a disability pension. Since she no longer needed to rent accommodation close to her work, um, the government gave her a housing commission residence in Aberdeen. A few months later, Catherine met 38-year-old miner David Saunders in 1986. I tell you what, I guess it's a symptom of small towns, but she does manage to get a lot of guys. (laughs) Um, I'm not violent. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want a boyfriend. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, she met uh, David Saunders. He moved in with her and her daughter. It says daughters here, so I'm guessing she did have both daughters with her. That's crazy. I know. I'm saying it says daughters, like I didn't write it. I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Patchy, go lie down, please. You're smelling your foot. Yeah, no, because I was patting him with it. Oh boy. But David did keep his old apartment as well. Um, Catherine Knight became jealous regarding what he did when she wasn't around and would often throw him out in these like rages. This is again like very classic domestic violence yeah. behavior, like super jealous, controlling. Yeah. He would move back to his apartment where she would invariably follow and beg him to return. It's like that whole cycle. Cycle of yeah. abuse. Yeah. yeah. Um, the following year, she cut the throat of his two month old dingo puppy in front of him for no more reason than as an example of what would happen if he ever had an affair. Did it die? Yeah. What the fuck? But, I mean, she does work in an abattoir. She has no qualms cutting up animals. I know, but for him. Oh, yeah, I know. For him, he'd be like, what the fuck? It's also awful. Yeah. I've said before, anyone who hurts children or animals is just, like, beyond, like, I don't even want to hear it. And she's done both already. Which children did she hurt? Oh, Melissa. Her own. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, f- I immediately forgot about Melissa. Yeah. I'm very tired. <laughs> uh, oh, and then also 
So she cut the puppy in front of him, cut the puppy's throat in front of him, uh, and then knocked him unconscious with a frying pan. And he hadn't even like, hadn't I mean, done not, anything. Not that there's any excuse, excuse no. for that, regardless was, if he had. There was no precipitating Like kind if of he trigger. had cheated on her, even still, even but then. he hadn't even done anything. No. She was just like, this is like a hypothetical situation that she was getting insane over. Yep. Um, me. In June 1988, she gave birth to a third daughter, Sarah. Oh, God, another Sarah. <laughs> we should keep track of how many Sarahs there are that have been in each story. It's, it's just – I reckon it's, it must be one of the most common names in the world. It is. Oh. It is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it very much is. Okay. <laughs> well, that's myth-busted, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, myth-confirmed, rather. That's, that's the there was one terminology they use in myth-busters. One particular year, I can't remember, but Muhammad was the most Wait, common the boy's, boy's name yeah. and Sarah was the most common girl's name. Okay, so very plain, I guess, you are. Um, I am. Basic bitch. Very basic. Some of us are unique. Which prompted... Um, uh, your name's Emma. I don't think that's particularly unique. Okay, it's a little bit more unique, though. Some of us are a little bit more unique than Sarah. Uh, very, very slightly more. <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't rag on Sarah's because chances are we have a listener named Sarah or at least multiple Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Sarah. <laughs> so, yes, they give birth to Sarah. Oh, sorry. Catherine gives birth to Sarah. This prompted Saunders to put a deposit on a house. Knight then paid off the deposit with her workers' compensation, which came through in 1989. Knight decorated the house throughout with animal skins, skulls, horns, rusty animal traps, leather jackets, old boots, machetes, rakes, and pitchforks. No space, including the ceiling, was left uncovered. Sounds like an ugly-ass house. Yeah, it does. It sounds like a fucking ugly, disgusting house. (laughs) (laughs) I would walk in there and say, ew. I would walk in there and walk straight back out again. Walk in and do a little loop. Pretend that you forgot something in the car. Yeah. Go back to the car, start the car and leave. And run. Yeah. (laughs) After an argument in which she hit Saunders in the face with an iron before stabbing him in the stomach with a pair of scissors. Shit. He moved back to his own place. But when he later returned to their shared home in Aberdeen, he found that she'd cut up all his clothes. This woman is a monster. She's a monster. Saunders took a long service leave and went into hiding. Um, Knight tried to find him, but no one admitted to knowing his whereabouts. So everyone knew. Who were the children with at this time? Her. Oh, my God. Several months later, Saunders returned to see his daughters uh, and found that Knight had gone to the police and told them she was afraid of him and then issued her an apprehended violence order or an ABO against him. So... A true monster. Yeah. She is. Uh, In 1991, Knight became pregnant by 43-year-old former abattoir co-worker John Chillingworth and gave birth the following year to a boy they named Eric. Yes, we should have four kids. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure how many kids at this point. I think four, three Mm. three daughters to John and then this this one. And she had ones before that I'm just forgetting that I mentioned. Mm. There wasn't a whole lot of information about this guy nor their relationship, but presumably it was violent on Catherine's part. And she likely made his life a living hell. Their relationship lasted three years before she left him for a man she'd been having an affair with for some time, John Price. John Charles Thomas Price was the father of three children when Knight began an affair with him. Um, I'll note that he was single, so it was Knight that was one that was having Mm. an affair. Reputedly a terrific bloke, liked by everyone who knew him. His own marriage had ended in 1988. While his two-year-old daughter had remained with his former wife, the two older children, his two older daughters, lived with him. Price was known to his friends as Pricey. 
and was apparently a big drinker but a hard worker. He's just like a classic like 80s, 90s Aussies bloke. Yeah, like, and I, I always think it's very much like a green flag if there's a dad who's got full custody of yeah. like a couple of his kids or one of his yeah. kids or not that it's a red flag if he doesn't, but I just think it's like it a shows, particularly green flag. Yeah, exactly. It shows that he's responsible enough. To, I also think it's nice that the daughters decided to go with their dad. Yeah. Like they've, if they're a bit older then I'm um, assuming that they've had a say in the matter and they've been mm. like, yeah, dad's awesome. Yeah. Let's stay with him. Yeah. Unless mum was particularly shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Who knows? It's like, yeah. It, I think that that's a, a good sign. Uh, he was apparently he was apparently charming. He had a down-to-earth demeanor. He was likable, generous, kind, and would always be the first to lend a helping hand to someone in need. Price was well aware of Knight's violent reputation um, when she moved into his house in 1995. But his children liked her. Uh, he was making a lot of money working in the local mines. And apart from arguments here and there, at the start of Knight and John's relationship, it was said that she treated him relatively well, and the pair enjoyed a romantic partnership and a vigorous sex life. This is the, again, this is the honeymoon phase. Yeah, love of abuse. bombing. Yeah. yeah. In 1998, Knight and Price fought over his refusal to marry her. In retaliation, and this is fucking rude of her, she videotaped items he'd allegedly stolen from work and then sent the tape to his boss. Now, the items that he'd taken were out-of-date medical kits that he'd scavenged from the company Rubbish Tip. Despite this, Pricey was fired from his job and he'd held this job for 17 years. That's also on his employer. Like, it's, fuck it's you. It's on his employer. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how the union weren't involved in that. Tell you what, the union would be right on their ass today. Yeah. Yeah. It's 17 years and he's fucking fired for stealing out-of-date medical kits from the rubbish bin because of fucking I Catherine be, bitch face night. I would be livid. I would be livid too. I'd be like... Get the fuck out. Like, live it at her, live it yeah. at my job. Oh, the yeah. injustice of the that. injustice. So that same day he kicked her out. She returned to her own, her own home and news of what she'd done spread throughout the town and apparently people were pretty pissed off. Yeah, good, because yeah. they were like, that's a dog act. Yeah. Like, I think people are like, oh, yeah, she like she's super violent and she's yeah. crazy and she stabs people and whatever. And then they're like, oh, what, she dobbed on him? Nah. That, is, that crosses the line. That's too far. A few months later, Price restarted the relationship, um, but now he refused to allow her to move in with him. The fighting became more frequent, and most of his friends would no longer have anything to do with him while they while the pair remained together. Mm, that's sad. Yeah. In February 2000, the millennium. I remember it well. Do you? Yeah, I do. I've told you this before. I thought that Y2K was going to happen, so I was like, "Oh, I thought really you meant." Anxious. I thought you meant you remember the year two thousand well, like your life in the year two thousand. No, I remember the turn of the millennium okay. very well. So yes, in the year two thousand, a series of assaults on Price culminated with Knight stabbing him in the chest, an injury which he survived. But finally, fed up, he kicked her out of his house on February 29th. He stopped at the Scone Magistrates Court on his way to work and took out a restraining order in, att- in an attempt to keep her away from both himself and his daughters. Yeah. That afternoon, Price told his co-workers that if he didn't show up to work the next day, it would be because Knight had murdered him. Oh, my God. So he's, he's – this is after he's recovered from that. Yeah, from the stab. Yeah. yeah. So he's, he's well aware that he's in danger. Yeah. Um, oh, so sad. Despite his co-workers and friends' pleas that Price not return home, 
He was afraid that Knight would kill his children if he didn't. Yeah, so his kids were living at the house and obviously... Yeah, but she wasn't living there, but he... He was scared that she was going to go to the house and the the kids were going to cop it. Or she must have been living there. Or I'm not sure. Um, Maybe she was in between. Yeah, I think it was a little bit nebulous, the kind of situation. So Price arrived home to find that Knight, although not there herself, had sent the children away for a sleepover at a friend's house. He then spent the evening with his neighbours before returning home and going to bed at 11pm. Wait, so he came home and his kids weren't there? His kids weren't there and she wasn't there. So she had sent the kids to um, on a sleepover. and she, His kids as well? Yes. There were no kids in the house. They'd gone on but a sleepover. Immediately that would be like, hmm. Earlier that day, Knight had bought new black lingerie. Uh, and had videotaped all her children while making comments, which have since been interpreted as a crude will. So she was walking around videotaping them, saying things like, "Okay, and you'll get the money, and 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 you'll get the house, and like shit like that." So she later arrived at Price's house while he was sleeping, and sat watching television for a few minutes before having a shower. She then woke Price, and they had sex. After which he fell asleep. At 6am the next day, a neighbour became concerned that Price's car was still in the driveway. I guess he'd been speak because he'd been with the neighbours the night before, so I reckon he'd probably told them about some issues. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he would have yeah. been like, get this. Or they'd been like, look, we hear a few things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, is everything okay? So, yeah, they become concerned that Price's car was still in the driveway. And when he didn't arrive at work, his employer sent a worker to see what was wrong. And I, I, this is off the back of him saying to people, hey, yeah. if, if, if I something don't show happens. Up, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's a small town as well. Yeah. Um, both the neighbor and the worker tried knocking on Price's bedroom window to wake him up, but they alerted police after noticing blood on the front door. Mm, no. As this is a small town, the police officers who attended the scene personally knew Pricey. They entered the house and what they found was truly the stuff of nightmares. And this is where it's about to get very, very gross. Breaking down the back door, they first notice straight ahead of them is what looks like a curtain blocking the door into the hallway, impeding their view of the house. A police officer moves this curtain and notices his hand is now wet. He assumes that maybe he's cut his hand entering the house, but it's not his own blood on his hand. This curtain was actually a full, headless human pelt. John Price's skin, which had been cut from his body and hung up on meat hooks across the doorway. God. Elsewhere in the room, there was blood everywhere. In the middle of the room where the remains of John Price's skinned and dismembered body lay, there was also a large stain where John's head would have been. So he was headless. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, from this stain, police follow a trail of blood to the kitchen and to a pot on the stove that was still warm where they found John's head. Police found that the dinner table had been set. Knight had cooked parts of John's body, serving up the meat with baked potato, carrot, pumpkin, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy in two settings at the dinner table, along with notes beside each plate, each having the name of one of Price's children on it. She was preparing to serve his body parts to his children. Sarah's just shaking her head for those at home. She's speechless. So angry. A third meal was thrown out on the back lawn for unknown reasons. It is speculated that Knight had attempted to eat it but was unable to. Um, I've also heard that there was some in the dog bowl outside. 
Um, according to one of the officers, this is really gross. There was a sweet smell of stew in the air. Another said he couldn't eat meat for months after this discovery. Yeah, I think that that'll do it. That'll do it, yeah. So um, Catherine Knight had stabbed John Price with uh, a butcher's knife while he was sleeping. According to the blood evidence, he awoke and tried to turn the light on before attempting to escape while Knight chased him through the house. He managed to open the front door and get outside, but he either stumbled back inside or was dragged back into the hallway where he finally died after bleeding out. Later, uh, Knight went into Aberdeen, the town, and withdrew $1,000 from Price's account at an ATM. Price's autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed at least 37 times in both the front and back of his body, with many of the wounds extending into vital organs. Several hours after Price had died, Knight then skinned him and hung the skin from a meat hook on the architrave of a door to the lounge room. So precise were her cuts that they were later able to reattach his skin for the funeral. Well, I guess this is her job, isn't it? Yeah. In the article I was reading, they described it as they were saying things like she was so skillful with her knife and things like that. And I was like, yeah, fuck. She's in, she works in an abattoir. So that's why she knows how to cut knife. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I don't like using the word skillful when talking about someone who's cutting skin from a human. Yeah. Yeah. There's something a bit icky something about, off that. about it. Mm. So she then de- decapitated price. Um, sometime later, Knight arranged what was left of the body with the left arm draped over an empty 1.25 litre soft drink bottle with the legs crossed. This was claimed in court to be an act of defilement, demonstrating Knight's contempt for Price. I don't know why she was so angry at him. Um, yeah. I guess just that he wasn't giving her what she wanted. Yeah, I mean, again, they say this with domestic violence, like the time period when you leave is the most dangerous is the most dangerous yeah. and so obviously he's just left her um also uh knight had left a handwritten note on top of a photograph of price bloodstained and covered with small pieces of flesh it read quote and this is i'm reading this verbatim time got you back jonathan for wrapping my daughter you to beck for ross for little john now play with little john's dick john price um, she never learned to read or write, so I, she's got issues with spelling and shit. But I think what she's trying to say is this is to get you back for raping my daughter. And then she has some religious thing at the end there. Yeah. These accusations were found to be groundless. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I needed to mention that, but yes, they she's were. She's just talking shit. She's to, talking yeah. shit to try and justify what she's done. Mm-hmm. The police continue through the house. So back to, you know, the police walking through the house still. They still weren't sure if they were alone or if the killer was still in the house. And they were taken by surprise when they heard snoring coming from the bedroom. They enter and find Catherine Knight comatose from taking a large number of pills. She was submitted to hospital and the police were forced to wait until she was well enough to question and ultimately charge. Understandably, many of the first responders to that crime scene have gone on to develop post-traumatic stress disorder, with one of the officers describing the scene as the worst he'd attended in his entire career, which Mm. I, I don't think much would come close to that. Yeah. Once awake... Knight was charged with murder uh, after her initial offer to plead guilty to manslaughter was rejected. <laughs> manslaughter? Yeah. yeah. Get fucked. Yeah. So she enters a plea of not guilty. How? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's pretty obvious, but um, 
you know, why not try, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, when the trial commenced, Justice Barry O'Keefe offered the 60 jury prospects the option of being excused due to the nature of the photographic evidence, which five accepted. When the witness list was read out to the prospects, several more also dropped out, after which the jury was uh, impaneled. It just means the jury was dis- decided upon. Okay. I was when I read that the first time because I, I I had never seen the word impaneled written down, and I pronounced it as empaneled. <laughs> <laughs> I do that so often. Yeah, I've done it so much through my life. Do you know what? Um, you know that the 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 city Lake City. Well, well, you've it, there's a place called Lake City in the world, right? And every time I say it written, my brain says lacessity. <laughs> it's like cassettify. There's something wrong with my brain in these words. Like, oh, I just I know that I've done it with a lot of things that now embarrass me. Oh, um, fucking what is it? Um, Curacao, Caraco. Yeah, I bought a book called Sith, but it's S C Y T H E. Oh yeah. And for ages, I was saying Scythe. I got this new book, Scythe. Embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, And somebody did correct me. They were like, "You mean Sith?" And I was like, "Uh huh." Oh, yep. That is what I mean. Actually, um, when the Ukraine Russia war broke out, I was calling Belarus Belarus. <laughs> God, Fucking but you idiots. know, you know what um, Dr. Carl says about this? Yeah, he says when he hears somebody do that, he he doesn't think it's embarrassing because he said that means that you've learned that word from reading something <laughs> instead of. <laughs> yeah, thanks well, for trying, Dr. It Carl. It made me I, feel better. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think general people think that. I think they think, what a fucking idiot. Are you kidding me? Bella, Belarus? Well, Dr. Carl still Sounds thinks. Sounds like walrus. He still thinks we're smart. No, he doesn't. He thinks we're fucking idiots. Don't don't try and patronize me, Dr. Carl. So, sorry, back to this. Um, back to the horror. Yeah. The next morning, Knight changed her plea to guilty and the jury was dismissed. It was then made public that Justice O'Keefe had been advised of the plea change the day before. But he adjourned the trial and then ordered a um, psychiatric assessment overnight to determine if Knight understood the consequences of a guilty plea. So what had happened is the jury had been impaneled. The lawyer for Catherine Knight had then gone up to the bench and and whispered something to the um, judge. He then immediately adjourned the trial, had then ordered the psychiatric assessment to make sure that she was fully compassmentous and was aware yep. of the plea that she was entering and had then accepted it and dismissed the jury. Knight's legal team had planned to defend Knight by claiming amnesia and disassociation, a claim supported by most psychiatrists, although they did consider her sane. Two psychiatrists concluded that Knight had borderline personality disorder. Doesn't make, doesn't make a person murder. No, lots um, of people have BPD. Yep. No reason has ever been given for the guilty plea, and despite giving it, Knight still refused to accept responsibility for her actions. Yeah, why would she? Yeah. After all, of it, after the amount of violence that she's committed throughout her life. Um, at the sentencing hearing, Knight's lawyers requested that she be excused to avoid hearing some of the facts. Get fucked. The application was refused. <laughs> oh, this is too upsetting. I don't want to hear it. You fucking did it. Yeah. Jesus. I, I feel like they should have held her head like in Matilda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> forced her to watch it. Mm-hmm. When Timothy Lyons took the stand and described the skinning and decapitation, 
Knight became hysterical and had to be sedated. Justice O'Keefe pointed out that the nature of the crime and Knight's lack of remorse required a severe penalty. He sentenced her to life imprisonment, refused to fix a non-parole period, and ordered that her papers be marked, quote, definitely never to be released. (laughs) With the word definitely? Yep. Good. Um, The first time that this had been imposed on a woman in Australian history. At sentencing, the judge said the following, quote, I'm satisfied beyond any doubt that such a murder was premeditated. I'm further satisfied in the same way that not only did she plan the murder, but she also enjoyed the horrific acts which flowed in its wake as part of a ritual of death and defilement. The things which she did after the death of Mr. Price indicate cognition, volition, calm and skill. I am satisfied beyond reasonable doubt that her evil actions were playing out of her resentments arising out of her rejection by Mr. Price, her impending expulsion from Mr. Price's home, which he wanted to retain for his children, the last minutes of his life must have been a time of abject terror for him as they were a time of utter enjoyment for her end quote some judges are so good with their final words yeah i mean i guess they do get time to think about it and write it Mm -hmm. down and they can be like very eloquent but some of them Mm -hmm. are like very piercing yeah well i guess judges they've got a they would know how to pronounce words they would in 2006 knight appealed the life sentence claiming that penalty of life in prison prison without possibility of parole was too severe for the killing uh oh my god she's she's something the audacity the audacity yeah uh justices peter mcclellan michael adams and megan latham dismissed the appeal in the new south wales court of criminal appeal i drove past that court this morning with justice mcclellan writing in his judgment quote this was an appalling crime almost beyond contemplation in a civilized society end quote Catherine Knight remains behind bars, uh, and that is the story of Catherine Knight. Oh God, I can't remember. I'm, I must have listened to the Red Handed podcast yeah. or something, but I listened to something on it, and it's like it's one of those ones that you just don't forget. Like. No, and it's shockingly easy to imagine. I hope you're okay. I hope you haven't gotten sick. Not you, Sarah. Everyone else <laughs> that's listening. I don't know. Whatever your self care is. Well, mine is to listen to more murder podcasts. Yeah, you need to get something else, like just a different type of po- so podcast. So I've started listening to this podcast called Say More with Dr. Sheila, and it's um, Amy Poehler plays Dr. Sheila, and you've got to say doctor with a question mark because she's not certified. <laughs> and she interviews, like, does couples therapy, and the couples are all comedians and they're all doing, um, like, improv, and it's really funny and I like it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, see, that's good. Yeah. I listen to one called Ologies, which is like a oh, – yeah different um science thing each week the last one i listened to was jellyfish okay so i'm learning a lot about jellyfish at the moment yeah what are they like something pods um (laughs) nick (laughs) (laughs) dr carl would not be impressed um nick got me onto one called uh uh here to help with jake and gareth and that's jake johnson of new girl and a comedian called gareth reynolds and people call in with issues and then gareth and jake try and give him solutions which one from new girl um nick oh nick miller yeah nick miller nick, nick yeah. miller yeah. yeah um that's a good one nick um is so hot yeah he is yeah like when i watch i think he's so many women's like ideal yeah something about him something about him and his personality mm. Mm. and his body and like and the like, way that he is in yeah. new girl and the way oh my god that kiss far out okay that that scene where like yeah, yeah they're yeah. like pretending and then yeah 
And then he's like, no, I'd kiss you like this. Mm. Oh my God. That is the best on-screen kiss I have ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Well, getting too excited. Yeah. I was going to say, you need to calm down a little bit. Um, I'm getting a bit flushed. Yeah. Um, so if thank- you haven't seen it. Okay. That's enough out of you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, tune in next week when Sarah's going to tell us. Oh, I've got an awful one next week as well. I didn't know you were doing such a horrible one. Well, That's I did. okay. People I listen did. for awfulness. Yeah, I know. But I like to have. Yeah, Well, exactly. my next one will be kind of light. Okay. Well. My next one's going to be interesting. Next week, I'm going to tell you about the Frankston serial killer. Oh, okay. Do you know much about that one? Uh, no, I don't think I do. Okay. Well, it's awful. Okay, cool. Looking Sorry. forward to it. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Tune in next week and listen to that awful one. Bye. Bye.